Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One of the bizarre events at the Amazon Synod was the veneration of the idols of the demon that will go unnamed. You know the one, the idols that were dumped in the Tiber River. Apologists for the modernist heresy have come out in droves, saying that the idols represent some fiction called Our Lady of the Amazon, which they invented out of whole cloth in order to put a Catholic veneer on the pagan worship we saw throughout the Synod. The great insult of this was to Our Lady, if I may be so bold, for there are two titles of Our Lady widely venerated by the various countries of South America, and we'll focus on one of those today. And that title is Our Lady of Apparacita. This particular account of the Virgin has some direct ties to Francis, which is why the Synod was all the more peculiar and insulting to those, like myself, who have a personal devotion to Our Lady under her various titles. So instead of focusing on the negative, let us focus on our shared heritage and give due to Our Lady and devotion not widely known outside of South America. And before we start, all apologies in advance for my bad pronunciation of cities and names. There is no need to correct it either, as this probably won't come up in the future. And we'll we'll finish this up today on a with a long quote from Benedict the Sixteenth's uh, comments on Our Lady of Apresita and the history of the Catholic faith with uh, local cultures in South America. But before getting into that, I will say that while miracles have been associated with Our Lady of Apparacita, there have been, no, to my knowledge, no overt apparitions, no dire warnings for our time, or any of the usual focus given on this channel to Marian apparitions. Instead, Our Lady of Apparacita is a more conventional Marian devotion with historic importance for the people of Brazil and South America in general. One that shows that there was never any need to invent a new Marian title for the Amazon Synod. Also, take note of how different the images of Our Lady of Apresita and the so-called Our Lady of the Amazon, a.k.a. the demon idol whose images were dumped in the Tiber River. Please take note on how different they are in appearance. Hence why I felt it necessary to shed a little light on the subject. With that in mind, let's get into this. The devotion of Our Lady of the Conception, Apparacita, more commonly known as Our Lady of Apparacita, has a special meaning to those faithful of South America. The devotion originates from the incredible account of when a group of fishermen, after several useless attempts at catching fish, reminiscent of that account of Peter in the Gospels, ask the intercession of Our Lady so that they may have a more fruitful harvest. But instead of fish, they caught a small image of Our Lady of the Conception, Apparacita, which at the time was made of terracotta. The title of Apresita derives from the verb appear, since it was in a great moment of need that the fishermen found her, that they realized that this event signified a sign of intercession of the Virgin. The image had a dark color and was blackened because of the material the statue was crafted from, as well as having been exposed to the elements in the river for apparently many years. The year was 1717, in the month of October. Today, processions frequently happen in early October to honor the events. 
At that time, the Count of Asumar and the General of the Infantry of Sao Paulo and Minas of Oro, Don Pedro Almeida, were passing by the city of Guarantirgueda, located in the Valley of Paraiba, during a trip to Villa Rica. The inhabitants of Guarantirgueda decided to celebrate a great feast in honor of Don Pedro de Almeida, and though it was not a good season for fishing, they cast their nets in the Paraiba River, in an attempt to get some fish for the event. At that time, people understood the duty they had to honor those who governed them, and those who governed often tried to be worthy of such honor. How quaint by today's standards, where we publicly crucify our leaders for no good reason. Anyway, the fishermen, Domingos Garcia and, and João Alves e Felipe Pedroso, prayed asking the intercession of Our Lady. After several attempts, they went downstream until they arrived at the port of Itaguaco. When they were about to abandon their attempt at fishing, João Alves threw his nets another time, and in place of a fish, their nets caught the statue of Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception, but without a head, which is interesting. Once again, casting the net, they caught the head, which fit perfectly with the body of the statue. Needless to say, the chances of this happening are astronomical. After having discovered the pieces of the statue, the image of the Virgin of Aparecida became so heavy that they could not move it. The fishermen then caught so much fish that they were forced to return to port, because their boats almost sunk. This was the first miracle attributed to Our Lady of Aparecida. The story quickly spread as the new miraculous catch had occurred and re reminded people of the account of Peter casting his nets at Christ's command. Thereafter, for about fifteen years, the statue remained in the home of Philippe Pedrosa, but he was forced to move the statue because his home had become a sort of pilgrimage shrine for the people. Many came to visit, asking for the intercession of Our Lady of Aparecida, which continued to grow over time, so much so that it became necessary to move the mysterious statue to a private chapel. In 1834, the construction of the old basilica began, and it wasn't inaugurated until December 8, 1888. Later on, in September 8, 1904, the statue was bedecked with a crown of jewels, donated by the royal family and dressed in royal finery, recognizing therefore her royalty and powerful protection. After the crowning of the, the Holy Father granted the sanctuary of Aparecida official recognition, and he even added her to the liturgical calendar to honor the Our Lady of Aparecida. This included the granting of indulgences to the pilgrims that visit the sanctuary. On April 29, 1908, the parish that housed the statue received the title of a minor basilica, consecrated on September 5, 1909. On December 17, 1928, the town that had become the home to the statue had grown so large that it had become a small city, taking the name of Aparecida. Our Lady of the Conception, Aparecida, was proclaimed Queen and Patron of Brazil on July 16, 1930, by decree of Pope Pius XI. Pilgrimages to the site continued to grow, as did devotion to Our Lady of Aparecida, which led to the need for a larger basilica, which began construction in 1955. The new basilica was built in the shape of a Greek cross. On July 4, 1980, Pope John Paul II, during his visit to Brazil, consecrated the Basilica of Our Lady of Aparecida and declared it a major Marian sanctuary for the world. The Basilica of Aparecida was also the scene of the Fifth General Conference of the Episcopate of Latin America and the Caribbean from May 13th to 31st in 2007 also known as the Aparecida Conference, which was a conference that was attended by then-Cardinal Bergoglio and helped lay the groundwork for the Amazon Synod. Of special focus that for there was the environmental concerns and the decentralization of the Catholic Church into the so-called Synodal Church. 
Pope Benedict XVI at that conference chose instead to focus on the missionary needs of the church. It inaugurated the conference and invited all Latin America to the continental mission to become each day more missionary disciples. Go figure. Maybe saw the growing numbers of pseudo-Christian Protestant sects in formerly Catholic South America and thought that the location of the conference should serve as an inspiration for a missionary and evangelical conference instead of a political one. We'll probably never know. I'm going to finish this with a direct excerpt from Benedict XVI's address to the Aparecida Conference, where he talks of the move for so-called enculturation, which was being discussed even at that time. Yes, the movement to paganize the church in South America isn't exactly new. Here is an excerpt from Benedict XVI's opening address to the Aparecida Conference in 2007. Faith in God has animated the life and culture of these nations for more than five centuries. From the encounter between that faith and the indigenous peoples, there has emerged the rich Christian culture of this continent, expressed in art, music, literature, and above all, in the religious traditions and in the people's way of being, united as they are by a shared history and a shared creed that gave rise to a great underlying harmony, despite the diversity of cultures and languages. At present, this, at present, this same faith has some serious challenges to address, because the harmonious development of society and the Catholic identity of these people are in jeopardy. In this regard, the Fifth General Conference is preparing to reflect upon this situation in order to help the Christian faithful to live their faith with joy and coherence, to deepen their awareness of being disciples and missionaries of Christ, sent by him into the world to proclaim and to bear witness to our faith and love. Yet what did the acceptance of the Christian faith mean for the nations of Latin America and the Caribbean? For them, it meant knowing and welcoming Christ, the unknown God whom their ancestors were seeking, without realizing it in their rich religious traditions. Christ is the Savior for whom they were silently longing. It also meant that they received, in the waters of baptism, the divine life that made them children of God by adoption. Moreover, they received the Holy Spirit who came to make their cultures fruitful, purifying them and developing the numerous seeds that the incarnate Word had planted in them, thereby guiding them along the paths of the gospel. In effect, the proclamation of Jesus and of his gospel did not at any point involve an alienation of the pre-Columbian cultures, nor was it the imposition of a foreign culture. Authentic cultures are not closed in upon themselves, nor are they set in stone at a particular point of history, but they are open, or better still, they are seeking an encounter with other cultures, hoping to reach universality through encounter and dialogue with other ways of life and with elements that can lead to a new synthesis, in which the diversity of expressions is always respected as well as the diversity of their particular cultural embodiment. Ultimately, it is only the truth that can bring unity, and the proof of this is love. That is why Christ, being in truth the incarnate Logos, loved to the end. It is not alien to any culture, nor to any person. On the contrary, the response that he seeks in the heart of cultures is what gives them their ultimate identity, uniting humanity, and at the same time respecting the wealth of diversity, opening people everywhere to growth in genuine humanity, in authentic progress. The word of God and becoming flesh in Jesus Christ also became history and culture, the utopia of going back to breathe life into the pre-Columbian religions, separating them from Christ and from the universal church would not be a step forward. Indeed, it would be a step back. In reality, it would be a great, it would be a retreat towards a stage in history anchored in the past. The wisdom of the indigenous peoples unfortunately led them to form a synthesis between their cultures and the Christian faith which the missionaries were offering them, hence the rich and profound popular religiosity in which we see the soul of the Latin American peoples. Love for the suffering Christ, the God of compassion, pardon, and reconciliation, the God who loved us to the point of handing himself over for us. 
love for the Lord present in the Eucharist, the incarnate God, dead and risen in order to be the bread of life, the God who is close to the poor and to those who suffer, the profound devotion to the Most Holy Virgin of Guadalupe, the Aparacita, the Virgin invoked under various national and local titles. When the Virgin of Guadalupe appeared to the native Indian Saint Juan Diego, she spoke these important words to him. Am I not your mother? Are you not under my shadow and my gaze? Am I not the source of your joy? Are you not sheltered underneath my mantle, under the embrace of my arms? This religiosity is also expressed in devotion to the saints with their patronal feasts, in love for the Pope and the other pastors, and in love for the universal church as the great family of God, that neither can nor ever should leave their her children alone or destitute. All this forms the great mosaic of popular piety, which is the precious treasure of the Catholic Church in Latin America, and must be protected, promoted, and, when necessary, purified. End long quote. And there you have it. Our Lady of Aparacita is the proper title of Our Lady, as she has been venerated by the people of South America, and especially the Brazilian Amazon, for nearly, th for actually about three centuries now, along with another title of Our Lady, Our Lady of Nazareth, which I will get to another time. It is interesting, however, that Our Lady of Aparacita arrived almost two, cent uh, two centuries to the day before Fatima. That's an interesting observation itself. Until then, I pray for, until then, I ask you that you pray for the church and pray for the faithful of the Amazon region, that they continue to stand for the truth in the face of this crisis. Our Lady of Aparecida, pray for us. Thank you for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.